Well, welcome. We are in the month of June 2020, and we are in the book of Jonah. And Jonah, we're, we're defining Jonah with the word struggle. And it's most of us are, have, are, are very familiar with the book of Jonah. Jonah is one of those Sunday school lessons that most people get. Even people who aren't really church people, they get the Jonah and the whale. They get the whole story and that kind of stuff. And they are completely unaware of what's going on in the background. And our goal here is to kind of go in what's going on in the background, figure what, what, are, the, what are the struggles? What's really happening in this text? What would it take for a prophet of God to do what he does and to try to run away? What would that take? What does that tell us as Christians? And can we place ourselves in this text? Is somebody in this text, it's four chapters, a little dinky book of the Bible, is there somebody in these four chapters that are speaking to you? Are you in this story? Are your motivations present in this story? The way you live your life, how you struggle, what you struggle with, is that inside this story? What we're going to find out in the book of Jonah is that the struggle, at least on the outside, is life and death. Completely life and death. And But on the inside, there's other struggles. There's, a, there's other things going on there where you, you're just left to wonder, what's really going on? How could he do that? Well, why did he make that choice? And why? we hope to get into that. But let's, let's, let's open up with a word of prayer. God, we thank you for tonight. I thank you for these men and women journeying alongside of us uh, as we study the, your word. And we, we pray, oh Lord, that your word would challenge us and encourage us. And uh, we just thank you for the story of Jonah and what it's going to teach us tonight. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so believe it or not, Jonah does exist at least one other time in the Old Testament here. And it is in, you'll see on the top here, 2 Kings 14. And uh, Jeroboam, so he's, he's one of the kings of Israel. One of the, uh, after, after David's kingdom, uh, then Solomon's kingdom. And then after Solomon's death, you got the upper 10 tribes, the lower one tribe, and the 12th tribe uh, doesn't really get land. So the 12th tribe is Levi, and they get a bunch of cities pockmarked throughout everybody. So you got the upper 10 and the lower one, which is Judah. So you'll see in the Old Testament, at a certain point, it's the northern kingdom, which is called Ephraim or Israel, and those are the 10 tribes. And you'll see the southern kingdom, which is called Judah, and that's the one that's going to survive. And so we have one of the kings of, of, of Israel, Jeroboam. In 2 Kings 14, who restored the boundaries of Israel in accordance with the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, spoken through his servant Jonah, son of Amittai, the prophet. That's in 2 Kings 14. So let's begin tonight in the book of Jonah. We're in Jonah chapter 1 with go, 1 to 3. The word of the, of the Lord came indeed to this Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. And as always, we have here as well, uh, our co-teacher here, Mick. And, and Mick, go ahead and unmute yourself. And anytime, anytime you need to, to, to buzz in to be able to uh, become a part of this thing, please do. Okay, we're still admitting people here. Hold on, hold on. All right, welcome. So we start here with, I'm just going to move this over here, sorry. Okay, so we have Jonah the dove. Now, what in the world is that all about? Well, Jonah in Hebrew, Yonah, it means dove. And and, and a dove is, is, is many things. Uh a dove in the Bible, you might remember a dove from the Noah story. Remember the, the, the 40 days and 40 nights? And at one point, he releases a dove, and the dove brings back an olive branch. Well, a dove is a symbol of peace and hope. We see that in Genesis chapter 8. A dove is a symbol of moaning and lamentation. We see that in Isaiah 38. A dove is a symbol of fleeing or running away. That's Psalm 55. That The psalmist says, I wish I could flee like a dove. And finally, the dove is a symbol of sacrifice. We see this in the gospel stories where Mary and Joseph must not have had a lot of money when they did their sacrifice after Jesus was born because they brought a dove or a couple of young pigeons or something like that. The words are kind of interchangeable, pigeon and dove. Uh, I've got a biology degree, and one of the things we learned as we studied 
uh, biological system that there is a fight or flight response. And the fight response is always pictured by a hawk and the flight response is always pictured by a dove. So we see these symbols here of a dove all represented in the book of Jonah, where he's gonna be a symbol of peace and hope, at least for Nineveh. He's going to be moaning and lamentation. We're gonna see that in chapter four. He's gonna be a great whiner in chapter four. Fleeing or running away, well, that's gonna be tonight's text. And a symbol of sacrifice is also gonna be tonight's text. Because believe it or not, Jonah is going to be sacrificed in order to uh, solve the problem. And so Jonah the dove, we have here a great wicked city. And I wanted to share with you uh, just a brief word about Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital city of, of Assyria. It was Israel's worst enemy and the bane of the ancient world. You didn't want to go to war with the Assyrians because they weren't the biggest, baddest, or strongest, but they had this reputation that if you went to war against them and you didn't win, they were going to do really bad things to you. You were going to be tortured. You were going to be, so everybody was afraid of Assyrian torture. They were the ones, and the Assyrians eventually got beaten by the Babylonians, but the Assyrians had this weird reputation. So everybody was terrified of the Assyrians. So we're not at all surprised that Jonah doesn't want to go to Nineveh. It'd be kind of like God telling you, you know, um, I want you to go and uh, give the gospel to, uh, let's just say the Taliban to go to Afghanistan and start talking to Al-Qaeda or something. And just like clearly national enemies of our people, would you be willing to do that? Especially if you were as terrified as, as Jonah here. So Jonah the dove, a great wicked city, go preach against it. See, Jonah understands that God is calling for a radical thing here. Go preach against them. Go stir the ministry pot. And Jonah realizes this is not just a normal thing. Most of us are afraid of doing something like a street preaching. That's what, what he's going to call him to do. Go into the lion's den and start barking fire. This is something that is not exactly the normal way to go about. So Jonah realizes this is pretty radical stuff and it's pretty pressing. So he realizes that um, I got to get out of Dodge because I don't want to save them. And we're going to learn more in chapter four why Jonah doesn't want to do what he wants to do. We're not going to get ahead of the horse. But in chapter four, we're going to learn all about what's going on in Jonah's mind. But right now, all we know is God said go, and Jonah said no, and went to the other side of the known world. And if you want to think about it in terms of, let's just use Chicago as an example. God was saying, if you were Chicago, if you live in, in Chicago or in this area, it'd be kind of like Nineveh would be roughly put to go to Ontario, Canada. Okay, so kind of like a, a few hundred miles this way. And Jonas, Jonah instead did not go to Ontario, Canada, up to Nineveh. He went due west as far as if we were to go to like Los Angeles from Chicago. He went as far west as, as the known world existed at that time. He was heading way out of town, completely out of, he got on the Mediterranean Sea as due west as far as he could go. And yeah, go one to three. And, and, and we, we continue here with get up, that the story just continues. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God. That's telling us he's on a ship full of pagans, full of non-Israelites who is going to call out to Yahweh, Jonah's God. So they're all crying out to their own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. This is dripping with irony. Jonah doesn't want to be noticed. He wants to hide. In fact, he's, he's sailing to the ends of the earth, and then he's hiding in the bowels of a ship to, on the end, sailing to the ends of the earth. The last thing Jonah wants is for his God, whom he's running away from, to take notice of him. And these pagan guys are like, you know what? We're calling out everything we've got, and we're, we're calling out every prayer to every known deity, all these things, and nothing seems to work. Well, we got the guy who's downstairs asleep. Maybe he knows something. And maybe he's got a God that we're not praying to. And so, yeah, it's dripping with, you know, this kind of relativism and this 
and this is humanistic reaching out for something. But you know what? Maybe he's got the answer. We got to find this guy. And he's asleep. Are you kidding me? How could he be sleeping in the middle of this? The, 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 the pitch and yaw and the roll and all that kind of stuff of this ship. And I mean, I got to tell you, I've sailed on that Mediterranean Sea. And I was on a cruise ship. And it was a very calm cruise, except for one day. The final day of sailing was, oh, I think we were like Monte Carlo to Barcelona or something like that. It was our final day and it was horrible. It was so bad. I had to lay in my bed and curl up in the fetal position and just pray. I didn't know what to do. What kind of storm would it take to roll a cruise ship and to get people going, oh, and you know, Jennifer, my wife was still up and she was packing through the last day at sea. You got to get your bags packed or whatnot for the final disembarkation. But boy, I understand that hymn that says, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrow like sea billows roll. I get that roll. And I'm like, oh my gosh, the sea. So I understand at least to a degree what these sailors are going through. I don't understand how professional sea people could be afraid. Like this must be quite a storm to get them afraid and, and to get them going crazy. It reminds me of that, that gospel story where, where Jesus is out on a boat with, 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 his, with his disciples and, and he's falling asleep. And so... Yeah, the Lord sent a storm. This is kind of like in the book of Esther, except it's a bit more overt. In Esther, we see God's hand kind of behind the scenes, but we see him at work. Here, it's overt. God is clearly at work. God is doing his thing, and God is going to make it very evident to Jonah what God wants to make evident to Jonah. Jonah's asleep and get up and pray. Jesus sleeping in the boat versus Jonah sleeping in the boat. Um, yeah, Jonah is, he's asleep. He's, he's, he's temporarily trying to escape uh, the pressures of God's word. And this might, I, this might be something that we might struggle with, where we see God saying certainly something about our life and God has, having expectations for our life. And we want to ignore God. We want to, you know what? God's word didn't really say that. I'll just skip that chapter. The chapters that are nice and the, the really God that's like a fluffy bunny kind of God. Okay, I like those. Certain people look at the Old Testament and say, oh, that's a really mean God. I want the New Testament God. I want the, the, the Jesus God, the really, the, what a friend I have in Jesus. I want that guy. I don't want these other people. And so it's very tempting to look at God's word and say, you know, I just, I like I like parts of God's word, other parts. I mean, I had someone else here is in the waiting in the wings. Welcome, Rachel. And so, yeah, Canada. Yeah, going up to Canada. We don't want that. Yeah, the sailors, you know, what's, what's really weird, you get up and pray, Jonah. They know the rules. Isn't that really interesting, theologically speaking? They know that in the midst of all their ick, they need to be praying. Jonah is hiding. So what's the main difference between Jesus sleeping in the boat and Jonah sleeping in the boat? Well, Jesus sleeping in the boat was, was communicating peace. It was communicating that I've got this, that just trust. Jonah sleeping in the boat, am I allowed to beat up on Jonah here a little bit? It's, he comes across really callous. He comes across indifferent. Like when they come to Jesus and they say, hey, don't you care that we're drowning here? And Jesus is like, oh, you little faith. Don't you care? We get the same sense here. Like, wait a minute. Why are you not up praying to whoever you pray to? We're all going to die here. How could you be asleep during all this? Are you kidding me? The whole rest of us are up here, you know, bailing water, whatever we got to do, lighting sacrifice fire, whatever we got to do to calm the storm down. And you're down there sleeping? Like, who do you think you are? I just see some, I, I see Jonah, maybe I'm reading into it. I don't know. I'm, what I'm not seeing here, I'm not seeing Jesus asleep in the boat. Because the disciples, they were just like, what are you doing, Jesus? Get up. And don't you care? And then Jesus calms the storm. And we learn from that that Jesus does indeed care. And we should trust God. That God's not going to let the boat that Jesus is sleeping on die. I mean, capsize or whatever. Maybe you either trust God or you don't. But here we're on a boat with a bunch of pagans who pray to whatever God they want to pray to. And the one guy who has his theology right has his practice wrong. How is Jonah going to be able to call on God? God that he's trying to poke in the eye. 
God that he's run away from, tried to run away from. How is he going to call on his God? So we're not going to see Jonah right away just become a great theological stalwart. Say, oh, yes, let me call on my God. He'll make it all right. No, we don't see that at all right away. We just, he's asleep. Hey, wake up and pray. Are you kidding me? Get up. Jonah, the great prophet of God, is going to learn his theology lessons here from some polytheistic pagans who are out in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. Well, we have go and get up and responsible, seven to ten. Then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast, so this is kind of like, you can imagine rolling dice or maybe a uh, drawing straws whoever gets the short straw is the one who did it you know that kind of thing so they're just kind of they're doing something that is random that is going to show up and communicate something that they will believe is not random and so it's like let's just flip a coin and whoever gets heads first makes it or something and and so we we learn in the, the one of the proverbs that uh, the the die or the lot is cast but it but its answer is known by god is directed by god there really is no random since God is sovereign, randomness doesn't exist. Either God is sovereign or he's not. And randomness means, or coincidence is another way to put it, that would be something outside of God's hands. And that would make God dependent upon that something or whatever it is. They cast a lot, the lot fell on Jonah. Of course it did. We are not at all surprised that God directed Jonah to be recognized. So they asked him, tell us. Who's responsible? Because evidently, once they drew lots, once they cast lots and it fell on Jonah, Jonah becomes the expert. And Jonah's the one that has to come clean. They're all looking at him and going, so what'd you do? It's kind of like you, you come home from work and you find a mess on your kitchen floor. You look at your dog. What'd you do? And the dog is kind of doing this and trying to hide from you. And I don't, that's, we got Jonah here. Who, who's responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What's your country? From what people are you? So evidently Jonah hadn't made a lot of this known or they just were just trying to get it figured out. And maybe they didn't know that he was a prophet. So to answer that question overtly, okay, well, um, I come from Israel. I am a prophet of the most high God and we are all toast because I tried to run from him and I used your ship to do it and you cashed my check. So here I am. Okay. So he answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord. This is Yahweh, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Oops. Isn't that great? The God who made the sea, and Jonah thinks he can get on a boat and ride on the sea to get away from the God who made the sea? Yeah, no, that doesn't work. But, you know, it's just the way it is. And these sailors, you got to understand, the God who made the sea, Jonah chose his words really well there because the sailors – they would be interested in the God who, cre who created the sea. That would mean something to them. That's like their whole livelihood. And so the God who indeed made the sea, well, this terrified them. Oh, and the dry land. Don't forget that. This terrified them. And they asked, what have you done? Ah, oh, they knew he was running away from the Lord because he already told them so. Okay, well, evidently he had told them he was running away from the Lord. What have you done? Why would you intentionally tick your God off? You better figure something out here. Um, oh, my goodness. So the lot fell. Uh, who's responsible? And identity is there. And, and they're afraid again. Jonah prophesies twice in this text. The first, and there's two sides of prophecy. The first side is what we're doing right now. There's forth telling, like telling forth, open up God's word and let's talk. And then there's foretelling. So whenever you see in the Bible, the word of the Lord came to um, Jonah, son of Amittai or something, or Isaiah, son of Amos. So here it is, boom. And then otherwise, you'll see some predictions some prophecies that are, that's called foretelling. And, and that has ceased today largely. We don't see that. The, the canon of scripture is closed. So, so prophecy today is more forth telling telling forth what God has already said. And so they, they unwittingly turn Jonah, the rebel, the runaway, into a prophet. For Jonah describes who he is, who he serves, and who that God is, and how powerful that God is. That's huge. Jonah is not going to get out of his mission. No matter where he goes, he's going to be expected to proclaim. 
and they get Jonah to do it. And the irony is Jonah doesn't want to do it. Jonah was fine hiding in the bottom of the ship and hopefully to ride out the storm. But yeah, make any thoughts here? We have uh, from, from one to six. Yeah, you know, one of the things I was thinking about was that Jonah was counting on God's usual MO of um, you know, being patient and merciful and not doing it right away, you know. Um, like anytime God announces a judgment on, on any peoples, he, he usually takes a sweet time in, in carrying it out. Jonah figured, well, I've got this, some time. You know, by the time he gets back to me, you know, I mean, if he's done it like anything he's done in the past, he takes a sweet time in doing it. Uh, poor Jonah, uh, God chose to, to do it differently with him. So go get up. Who's responsible? And now do, 11 to 13. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? You know, a lot of people view God this way. A lot of people view relationships in general this way. You know, I, I imagine, you know, a husband arguing with a wife or a boyfriend arguing with a girlfriend and the girlfriend is going on and on and on. And the guy is saying, just listen, what do I got to do? Okay, I, I want to get out of this situation right now. What is it I have to do for us to have peace or for us to have whatever. And if you've ever harmed somebody and you need to offer amends, there's that stirring within you as you confess your sins, as you repent of your sins, as you seek to make things right, to actually make things right. And so there's that stirring within you. Your conscience is not going to leave you alone. And so what do we got to do? You who the lot fell on you, you who are, have this God that we don't really know, but evidently he's really, really powerful because he made everything. And now you can see the storm and you've obviously ticked him off. So you got to figure something out. What are you going to do? And you see, that's not the way it works with God. It's like, okay, God, I've upset God. So now I have to solve things. There's not a lot we can solve. In fact, you look at the gospel, it comes down to your sin. Can you solve your sin? Absolutely not. All you can do, all you bring to the gospel is this very sin that's got to be dealt with and paid for. You have no, you, you, you have no control over much of, of, of anything. It's certainly not your salvation. Yeah, we got a comment here. Of course, Jonah may have been hoping that if he didn't tell Nineveh about the possibility of destruction, they would be destroyed without him having to lift a finger. And that's actually a great point. And, you know, honestly, and the other thing, the other thing we'd be expecting here, and I, the text doesn't go this way, but we would be expecting Jonah to say, listen, I know, I know what's going to calm my God up. My God told me to go here, and I got on the boat at this port here. So why don't we turn the ship around, head me back to this port, drop me off. I realize I'm not going to get my money back, but then I can go on my, my merry way because obviously I've ticked my God off and I got to go follow my business now. I actually have to go do what he told me to do. That would be more of like a repentance kind of thing. Let's just turn the boat around and let's just completely go back. But we're not going to see that either. And so, so Jonah is, uh, he kind of has a manly moment here, but not really a manly moment. If it was really a really brave moment, Jonah would just jump in. I say, guys, you know what? I know what will solve this. Instead, he's going to say, you know, you guys got to throw me in. So you guys have to be involved now. But, yeah, the sea is getting rougher. What, 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 what do you should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Well, pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied. It will become calm. Well, there's his foretelling. There's his prophecy. If you do this, my God will be satisfied, essentially. He will kill the storm. It's done. You won't be in danger anymore. Over. So pick me up and throw me in. It will become calm. And then, you know, this is a great moment right here for Jonah. We've got to give him this. This is like one of those on the, the gospel ABC timeline. This is the letter A. Admit that you're a sinner. Admit that you have done wrong. This is a good moment for Jonah. This makes me take my foot off the gas pedal just a little bit with Jonah. Because Jonah says this. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. And yeah, it's, that's it. And so, you know, a comment coming in, he, he probably couldn't kill himself, suicide is not looked upon. You're right. It's not, uh, it probably wouldn't be good, but it's not good to run away from God. And when it's clearly he knows it's his fault 
and I guess they get someone else to do it. King Saul is going to do the same thing much earlier. He can't bring himself to kill himself, so he has his, his shield bearer do it for him, but really, it's really Saul doing it. But yeah, it'll become calm. I know that it's my fault this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best. You got to hand it to these guys. I mean, it's, um, you know, and, and you're, you're right, uh, a comment coming in. The sailors did ask, what should we do? Yeah, they're realizing that most likely, mo most likely Jonah doesn't have uh, the complete control here. Although the lot did fall, they are expecting him to come through, at least with the answers. But you got to give the men credit. They begin to row back to land. <laughs> he tells them what, what, what needs to happen. And so they are just hell-bent. No, 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 we can't do that. You got to give it to these guys. They, they're, not, they're not ready to just kill Jonah. They're ready to toss all the other stuff off the ship, but they're not ready to toss him off the ship. They seem to have some morality. I, I, can, um, you know, I, I, can, I can respect that. Yeah, uh, good text from Mick here. The difference between Jonah had he thrown himself in versus Saul outright killing himself is that Jonah's would have been a sacrifice for the well-being of others. Yeah, and we're going to see that here is that this is exactly right. Uh, Jonah does sacrifice himself. This is a good thing he's going to do. He's not doing it for his own sake. He's doing it for their sake. And, and that's, that is a very key thing. His selfishness and self-centeredness is seeming to end at this point. He's finally waking him up. He has his great theological realization on the ship. So all that time before, complete selfishness. But on the ship, he's realizing, yep, I couldn't run away from my God. And I'm the reason this is the problem. And it's now become real right now. His inner struggle and his outer struggle all come together. And here he is. And, well, and, and, and yes, we, we will not see... We will not see Jonah's repentance in our text today. And we'll have to look forward to that. And that's, I believe it's going to come next week. And so we'll have to look to see, does Jonah really repent? But we'll close our time out with that. But they could not row back to land for the sea grew even wilder than before. So you got to put yourself in the mind of these pagan sailors here. They're thinking, okay, you know what? It's this new guy. It's his God that everybody ticked off, that he ticked off. And now he's given us a solution. But you know... If we toss him in, he's that God's guy. I'm not sure that God's going to be happy with this. And so let's at least give it the puncher's chance. Let's just, let's just figure this out. Let's just start to row. All of a sudden, holy moly, I'm rowing here. Holy moly, it's worse. The wind and the waves are actually worse. And for these guys, I mean, there's a lot of Christians that are like that, that they wait to see what's happening in society or the world around them. And they'll couch it in nice terms like, well, I'm waiting for a door to open or I'm waiting for a window to close. And that isn't exactly wrong. But if that's the only thing you've got, then you're missing out on other things. And that's all they've got. They're just like, well, life is getting worse right now. The decision we made is not right because we're not able to sail anymore. We're not able to get there. It's like we're trying, we're trying, we're trying. We're like Sisyphus pushing that rock up the cliff, coming right back down again. It's, it's nothing is working. So what are they going to do? The sea grew wilder than ever before. Yeah. It's a life and death struggle these sailors have. Jonah has a foretelling prophecy. And, you know, it's a good moment for Jonah. But it's life and death. Their struggle is real. And I've always liked to say, we're going to revisit this thought many times in, the, in this, these four weeks. People like to say, well, I've got to struggle. I just, I struggle with this. And my question is, do you? Do you actually struggle with it? Something, if it is a struggle, you should be struggling. Otherwise, you're just being, pa I don't see a struggle as a passive thing. These guys here struggling for life and death, it is clearly not passive. Yeah, the, make, if there's any, any doubt about Jonah's culpability, the, the fact that the wind and the wave got worse was the clincher that, yep, it's God, all right. Yep, this Yahweh he talked about. Yeah, it's Jonah's God. It's not this guy's God or that guy's God. It's his God. Okay, yeah, it's pretty obvious here um, that God was at work and what he was doing and making himself very, very, very clear with a clarity that we wish we had in Esther. We had to look for the clarity, and it was there, but we had to kind of see through heaven's eyes a bit. 
we had to kind of understand, okay, this is what God's doing. God is moving his chess piece. Okay, we see it. But here, it's like God is just being completely overt with it. And, and uh, so the lot fell, and who's responsible, and where's the identity? And they're afraid again. And, uh, well, 11 to 13 again, the sea got rougher. What do you want me to do? Uh, you got, we got to figure something out here. You got to do something. So whose fault is it? Well, instead, we're going to do this. And um, you find this, certain people are, are this way when it comes to God. Uh, God has made his will clear. There's times where we wonder about God's will and we struggle with it. Like we're actually searching, God, what do you want us to do? And there's other times where God has been very clear and we like to throw in an instead. Well, God, you know, you're telling me this, but instead I'm going to try this. I'm just saying, God, I'm just looking at my options. I'm going to try this one right here. And if it doesn't work, you know, okay, fine. You, you got me. I'll go back here. And that kind of mentality is not as rebellious as Jonah's mentality, but deep down at the core, it's just as selfish. It is, uh, yeah, we saw the casting in the lots, the poor, like in Purim. Yeah, that's right. Good, good call, Mick. But yeah, that's, um, someone has to be at fault here. Some, something has to be, um, you know, Jonah's like, throw me in and all will be calm. Um, yeah, we got to wonder though, Jonah's, Jonah's mood for just one second. Again, I'll mention this again. It's not like he said, take me back you know, I realize you can't, I realize you're going to struggle with the, with the oars, but if you declare you're going to take me back to Joppa, I'll tell my God you're going to take me back to the port where I'm going to go finally. Maybe God's going to calm down here and God's going to let us pass or something. I don't know. It's uh, right now he's like Gandalf in Fellowship of the Ring. You shall not pass kind of thing. That's it. They're not going anywhere. They're not going further. They're not going to make it to Tarshish. It's not happening. And yeah, maybe it's too late or the storm is too strong. I don't know. We'll see how this finishes out. Then they cried out to the Lord. Now don't miss that. That in Hebrew is Yahweh. These are the pagan polytheistic guys who have spent all their time, their voices are, are, are hoarse and raspy after calling out to their God and goddesses or whoever all this time. If there is any you know, future Greeks in the crowd, they're calling out to Poseidon or whoever the sea god is. Here they are. And so then they cried out to the Lord. Dang. We pay attention when people who really don't have any business praying to the Lord, pray to the Lord. Like Ruth in the book of Ruth. Like Rahab in the book of Joshua. These people who are pagans, who are worshiping their other gods, all of a sudden when they start to pray to our God, whoa. And if it causes me to pay attention? I wonder if it causes God to notice as well. They cried out to the Lord, please Yahweh, please Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Dang. Here they are, they know they're going to have to kill this guy or sentence him to Davy Jones' locker, dump him in the waves. And they're calling out, I mean, that's pretty cool. I'm just saying. And I'm not saying it's quite Christ on the cross. Forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. But this is kind of a cool moment here for these sailors. Don't let us die for taking this man's life. You're seeing their inner struggle right here. They know what they're supposed to do, but it's really hard. And they know that if, 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 if they're not right, that they're going to be committing another sin. And they're afraid of this very God who could capsize their boat at any moment. They don't want to take him off further. So here he is. Do not, don't let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord have done as you pleased. That's a mic drop moment right there. That is, they don't even know Jonah's God, this Yahweh. They don't even know this guy, but they know that he is sovereign. Dang. I mean, here they are on a ship. Their whole world is the waves and the waves are against them. And it's got, it, Jonah's God's fault or Jonah's God at work. They know, they know they're at his mercy. And so they're proclaiming it. What a great theological statement here. Pay attention when people are, 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 are saying these words, they, they, where they can look at your life. I mean, I've had it happen to me before where, I mean, I, I think I mentioned this before. I had a mechanic tell me that he knows I'm a pastor because my car made it into this mechanic shop when that car shouldn't have made it. And I said, hey, hey pal, my car has died plenty of times. It doesn't mean I, I'm anything special because I'm a pastor. But to the outside world, they're like, no, wait a minute. It does mean it because you're one of God's guys. You're one of God's guys, so things shouldn't be happening to you that happen to us. That's how they view things. And it doesn't mean they're right, 
but they're looking for an opportunity to praise your God. So give them that opportunity. Live your life in such a way, the gospel say, let your light shine before all men, that they see your good works and then do what? Praise your Father in heaven. Good text here, Mick said, leave it to God to capitalize on any situation to get the message out to people who ordinarily wouldn't have known him. Yeah, and God did this again with the, uh, the Magi in, in the, uh, the Christmas story. Where were the Magi looking in the stars? Where did God meet them in the stars? God put a star on their star charts that, that flummoxed them, where they're like, what is this? And then they begin to follow this star. The same God who says, don't do things with the stars and don't do... Like, you don't call upon necromancer saw. Don't play with, hor with horoscopes and astrology, that kind of stuff. But God met them where they were at. And God's meeting these sailors exactly where they're at, on the sea, with the wind and the waves. Please, Lord, don't hold us accountable. So they took Jonah. They threw him overboard. And wouldn't you believe it? The raging sea grew calm. Put yourself in the sailor's shoes just for one second. What are you feeling? Number one, you're thinking, holy moly, he was right. Oh my gosh, we just killed this guy. We don't see him anymore. But the sea calmed down. Seas just don't calm down. I mean, even when Jesus, the son of God, got up and said, peace be still, and the wind and the waves died down, the, the disciples were just like, whoa. Oh my gosh. He even calms the sea? What manner of guy is this? Even they had this moment. I can't even imagine what these sailors are going through. Jesus meets us where we're at. And Jesus, you know, so we hear stories around the world where I was reading, uh, I was reading this, this book of, about, uh, about people in, in Muslim-majority countries coming to Jesus and Jesus meeting these people in dreams and saying, Hi, I'm the prophet Isha that you pray to in your Quran. Here's who I am. Here's who I really am. Follow me. And then boom, 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 miracle, miracle, whatever it is. And Jesus meets us where you are, we are at. He met sinners and tax collectors where they're at as well. Great point. Yeah. Please, Lord, don't let us die. The sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord. Now we know this from the Old Testament. That's the beginning, isn't it? The fear of the Lord is the beginning. Once you fear God, everything else falls into place. They feared him. And then they offered a sacrifice to the Lord. I don't know what that sacrifice looks like. I would, I would imagine the last thing you want on the deck of your ship is fire. I don't know what a sacrifice, if, if, if they lit something, if they had a, a random animal, they just, okay, here we go. We got to have a sacrifice right now. I don't know if they were already doing it with their prayer time. The text doesn't say as they were doing things with each individual God they're calling out to. We don't know. But they go from prayer to sacrifice or also in an acknowledgement. Wow. Um, they feared the Lord. They offered a sacrifice. And they made vows to him. Dang. See, look on the page here. They went from emotions to, uh, to acknowledgement. So they're starting with their heart, this fear. Then they go, they go to their mind as an acknowledgement. Then, then they get to follow through with their actions. And then it's calm. And then they begin to fear him. And that fear leads to worship. By the way, the fear of the Lord is a great thing. But it should lead you to worship him. This is not meant for you to cower and hide. Okay, God's going to smite me. No, it's, it's, I, I respect God. I respect you so much. You are so in control. You are so God, I am not, that I'm going to glorify you with my life. I, because I can't. I, I, I can't not do that. I have to glorify you. Otherwise, I don't, I don't really communicate. I fear you anymore. If I'm going to live my life however I want. Jonah was not communicating fear of God when he ran away, was he? God said go, and Jonah had a fear of man. Not so much a fear of God. So if you're a kind of person like me, that you really care about what other people think of you, like that really matters to you, and it's, it's kept me up at night, what people think of me, you know what that really is? That is the fear of man. That's I'm the fear of man's opinions or the fear of man's thoughts about me. It's selfishness. I'm saying, that's one of the things I struggle with, and I wish I struggled actually deeper than I do.
because I, I more run and hide half the time instead of actually struggling with it. But yeah, uh, from Rachel, it's encouraging that the sailors made vows to the Lord after the storm called. So they weren't just foxhole prayers in the worst moment. That's actually a fantastic point. They saw God at work. And once it was all said and done, they realized, oh, this God's for real. And we obeyed the word of the Lord that came through his prophet. We obeyed that and he showed up. You are going to listen at that point. You are going to pay attention. And when a miracle happens, you respond. And that's why, that's why Jesus sent the demon-possessed guy back to town instead of coming with him. And you go back home and tell what God has done. And all these people that were afraid of you, fine. But they're going to see a miracle walking down the street. Christian, that's you. You've been brought from death to life. You've been brought in the midst of your sin to now a life pursuing holiness. You are that walking miracle. How you live in your life. Well, many Bible translations take verse 17 and they put it with chapter 2. And it belongs in chapter 2. But you know what? It also stinking belongs in chapter 1. Because otherwise Jonah's dead somewhere. And we got to have hope. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of that fish three days and three nights. Wow. Everybody in the book of Jonah eventually calls on God. We see here in the text today, the sailors called on God. So the three main characters in the book of Jonah, here they are, in order, Jonah, the Ninevites, or the city of Nineveh. We don't get to meet them yet. We're going to meet them in chapter 3. But at least they've shown up. Jonah doesn't want to go there. And these sailors, only one person gets their story resolved in the text today. And that's the sailors. But the sailors, they call upon God. Jonah is going to call upon God. Will the Ninevites call upon God? Everyone in the book of Jonah eventually calls upon God. Even in Jonah's disobedience, God made him an effective prophet. He's a rebel runaway I don't care about what you have to say, God. I'm just going to go. And he still proclaimed the power of God. He proclaimed who God is. He proclaimed what God is able to do. He called his shot. They did it, and God acted. God gets the most possible glory, even through the reluctant word of a prophet. How much more can God use you in the midst of your unfaithfulness, in the midst of you and your reluctance, in the midst of you and the issues that you face, God can and will use you. The inward struggle of Jonah. What we have here, the amazing, persistent, pursuing grace of God. Yes, we have uh, God pursued the fleeing dove of a prophet with a storm and then delivers him from drowning. God's amazing, persistent, pursuing grace. Remember that grace when you pray because it's very tempting to think of yourself like, well, God, isn't it great that I finally chose the right path? Isn't it great that I said yes to you, God? Isn't it great that I'd made the decision to follow you and that I joined a church and that I got baptized? God, isn't it great that I, 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 no, God pursues the wayward. Just like the shepherd leaves the 99 to go find the one, God pursues the rebellious sinner like me, like you. You are on God's team because God's grace. You don't deserve it, but God gives it to you anyway. God saves you. The amazing, persistent, pursuing grace of God. What's the inward struggle? And we're going we're gonna to end each text this way on struggles. And, and Mick, you can help me out with some of these if I, uh, but what's really going on with Jonah, the inward struggle of Jonah? We're going to get more of this in chapter four. Chapter four is going to be eye-opening for us because we're going to learn what's really going on with Jonah. And Jonah is going to paint in some blanks that we don't quite have yet. But uh, the running away kind of starts as, as a desire. And what's really going on inside is that uh, God says go and Jonah has something on his inside to realize, nope. I'm not going to do it. So Jonah's struggle starts at the docks before he gets on that ship. And uh, 
it's a possibility that I can run away from God, I'm going to do it. And he doesn't have, I guess we don't get that psalm and says, where can I go from your spirit? Maybe he didn't believe it. I don't know. Where can I run? But he thinks he can run. And Mick, what else is going on on the inside? What's the, in, the inside struggle of Jonah here? What's really happening on the inside? One of the things that um, I think is going on, you, you mentioned reluctance and fear a lot, but whenever I've read this story, the one thing that always comes to my forefront of my mind is, is hatred. He hates the Ninevites because um, I was reading a, a commentary. Um, he may have very well been aware of Hosea's prophecy regarding the Ninevites with Israel. So the last thing he wants to do is aid and abet the enemy, in a, in a manner of speaking. So I think there's a lot of hatred in here as well. And you've got to understand that we live in this political climate where lines are drawn and that you, you're either for one thing or you're against another thing. So you're looking on your Facebook feeds, you're like, oh my gosh, this person is standing up for this, or this person is standing up for this. He voted for that one, or he voted for this one. And we're very tempted to draw those lines in the sand. We're very tempted to say, oh my gosh, I, you know what? I'm done with you. I'm sick of you. I'm just going to hide you off my feed. I'm just going to ignore you, whatever it is. And that temptation to say, you know what? They're for them. And so I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to play that game anymore. I'm just going to run away. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Amanda. A great, great line. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. You still, you give yourself away. The song Reckless Love. Now, I don't like the title of that song because I don't like really the word reckless when it comes to God. It, it implies that God is, when I think of reckless, I'm thinking of like my, um, one of my, my, my son, when he was like three, and I would not go to the, uh, the, 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 the plates and cups section of like a Carson's and let him run around, you know, because all of a sudden I got a big bill of broken dishes. That's what I think of reckless. I don't want I, I to see God's love that way, but God, God's love is, it, it doesn't make sense to the outsider's perspective. Why would God, God love me? Why would God pursue me? Why would God die on the cross for me? The gospel doesn't make any sense at all. And uh, kings don't die for the enemy. And it's, it never happens, ever, ever, ever. And so it makes no sense. But yes, it's a great line uh, from that song. The, the hour struggle of Jonah is pretty obvious. He's afraid. And it's a life and death thing. He realizes if he follows God's advice and command and goes to Nineveh, he's probably going to die. Or it's going to be really, really hard. And we don't like it when people disagree with us on something we post on Facebook. And could you imagine a life and death disagreement? His outward struggle is, is not as profound here as his inward one. The outer is pretty obvious, his life and death. Uh, the sailors, their inward struggle. I like this. I like what the sailors have to teach us. In times of trouble, you know, we, we asked this in our first week of David in our previous series. When you're in trouble, where do you turn? Now, you got to give these guys credit. They at least turn to who they believed in. And from you know, a theological standpoint, from a polytheistic standpoint, we don't, we, we're monotheists, but um, even pagans, you're right, even pagans, you're for the spiritual, they're looking for something. When, 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 when the poop hits the fan, I'll just clean it up. When that happens, all of a sudden we start looking outside of ourselves because we realize real quick, I don't have the answer. I can't solve this. And the more I try to solve it, the more I get depressed, and the more I can't sleep at night, the more I'm anxious or whatnot. But someone else might be able to. And so we're going to call upon this guy and call upon this guy. And I like that struggle with them. The outside world is going to hell. I'm going to call upon the one who might be able to solve it. That's kind of cool. That teaches you. That teaches me. Because I can't solve it. I'm not going to rest in secular humanism. Like that's going to solve the day. When things are out of control, you can't turn to human effort. You're exactly right. The outward struggle, the sailors, and, and they kept looking. They, they didn't just, they got to keep turning to somebody more powerful. And they realized that at some point, the gods they, they, they prayed to weren't able to stop it. And so they kept looking. And yeah, you see, on Mars Hill, on the Areopagus in the book of Acts, Paul talks about that. He tied that with the statue of the unknown God. And, and Paul's like, who you call is unknown, I know him. And let me tell you about this guy. He created everything. He kind of got Jonah-esque right there, the God who created everything, who doesn't need a temple made by human hands. 
Here he is. Yeah, in, in ancient times, atheism meant you don't believe in my God. People have faulty ideas on spirituality. Indeed. The outward struggle of the sailors, again, is, is life and death. And, but they take advantage of hope. When they wake up, when they wake up Jonah and they realize that Jonah is different and that Jonah has a different God, you see a little bit of hope there. I'm going to close with this. The gospel according to Jonah chapter 1. God pursues sinners who have run away. He does not let them go, but finds them in order to rescue them. Jonah on the boat believed God. He confessed his sin. He submitted to going overboard for the sake of the sailors' lives, and then was rescued by the grace of God. Jonah rebels. God pursues. Jonah faced judgment. God delivers. The only thing missing from the gospel proclamation right there is what we learn in Luke chapter 15 with the prodigal son. The key moment of the prodigal son is when his face is in the pig slop and he realizes, I could go back to dad and I could get on my face there and I could submit myself to my dad again. And his servants eat better than this. Oh my gosh. And he repents and he marches his tail back home. We don't have that yet here. That's the one thing missing of this gospel proclamation. The one thing to rescue this from this fatalistic, don't just throw me overboard, be done with me. Okay, that's noble, Jonah. That is a sacrifice, Jonah. That is, you know, uh, altruistic for the sake of the people who are going to die otherwise. Yeah, but is there repentance there? We don't quite see it just yet. We're going to need next week where Jonah is going to pray a prayer from the belly of a fish. And I think we're going to see something different. We're going to see some the one thing that we're missing today is repentance. So you've got to ask yourself as we close, how do you run away from God? God's word is clear, especially on his expectations for you. How do you run away? How are you like Jonah? I'm not asking you to answer this question right now. I'm asking this question to stick in your craw. The rest of this week, am I running away? Am I pulling a Jonah? Am I pulling a Jonah right now? He's clear. Maybe, maybe it's found in the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers and you refuse. Blessed are the poor in spirit and you refuse. Maybe you say, well, I can just run away, God. I can just throw myself over here. You've got so many things to worry about. The last thing you're going to do is pay attention to little old me. I'm over here, God, but you know what? You're over there and I, I can hide and I can do whatever I want to do because you know what? You've got bigger fish to fry. Wrong. Jonah tried that. And yes, I know Jonah got commanded by God. You would think Jonah couldn't run from this God, but you know what? It didn't matter because he tried to. How do you try? You can't just read Jonah chapter one without asking yourself, do I try to run from God? What is it that I'm trying to hide from God? What is it that I'm trying to, 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 to pull the wool over God's eyes so he doesn't see? What is it? What is it about me that I don't want God to know, that I don't want God to have to deal with? Because if he does, I'm terrified. What's God calling me to do that I'm petrified of? Because you know when it comes down to it, it's the same fear of Jesus on the boat with the disciples, their fear. If God's going to call you to minister to Nineveh, don't you think God's going to provide for that ministry? I mean, why would God call you there just to have you immediately die? God's going to have something in play here. God's going to have provision. If God's going to call you to it, he's going to bring you through it. There's that, there's that little undercurrent of faith there that we don't see in Jonah, in Jonah chapter 1. I pray we're going to see it next week. This is the struggle from the book of Jonah. I pray as you struggle this week, you start asking Jonah-type questions about your life. God bless. We'll see you next time.